Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for another edition of Deep Dives. We are going to be talking mostly Red Sox starting pitching. We will probably dive into some minor league system related stuff as well some of that could actually be tied into the rotation so those are going to be the main topics we get into Job Goddard Andrew Dwan back with me for this episode are you guys ready let's do it let's do it start off with a question everybody wants to know have we seen the last Martin Perez bloodbath on a mound in a Red Sox uniform this year? Yes. Keep it short and simple. Yes. I at hope least so. in a game he starts. Let's just let me preface that. I I would like to see that happen. I was the president, the vice president, and the treasurer of the Martin or the Martin Perez fan club for most of this season. He's Martin nowadays. Martin. Yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't deserve the teen. <laughs> I hope that I never see Martin Perez start another game for the Boston Red Sox this season or going forward. And I think Andrew's right. This is it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a back and forth between whether it should be him or Richards and whatnot. And I think I said in the Sunday episode, Richards just translates a a little bit better to the bullpen. I think he can find a couple of pitches that he can throw pretty well and be salvageable in that type of a role. Maybe a a guy like Rios gets bounced out. I, I don't know if, if Andres is going to come back at all at this point. But I just I like Richards there. As far as Richards being in the rotation, he seems to have to come up with a new game plan every time. You know, whether it's a, a sinker he's going to throw or the, the changeup that he's been working on. It seems like Richards has a, a plan A every time he comes in, but never a plan B. And then once plan A starts to unravel, guys start to get on base, and, and Cora has had him on a short leash. But I, I'll just tell you now, I think Perez is straight up getting DFA'd because you got Hauk coming into the rotation. I think this is the last scheduled doubleheader we have. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. We we have one with New York. Oh, do we? Okay. We have one with New York about 10 days from now, um, based on the rainout from when we were in New York. Okay, uh, that's right. So one more to go. One more. Okay, so maybe maybe they might want an extra body around somehow uh, to, to fit into that doubleheader, but... But eventually, we are going to get back to a five-man rotation. So I guess let's just get into that right now. Let's say three weeks from now, Andrew, we'll we'll have you take the first shot at it. What's it going to be three weeks from now? Who's your one through five? All right. So for me, it is Chris Sale. I think he's pretty much, we know what that's going to be. 
um, when he comes back. Well, that's actually a bold statement. We don't know what it's going to be, but just know who he's going to be. That is Chris Sale, and he'll be your number one. I think Erod, the numbers are a little deceiving. I think he's your number two. Um, I think Nadia Valdi is your number three. Um, well, you know, maybe flip-flop that, lefty-righty, lefty, whatever. Uh, your four, I think it's Pavetta. And your five, I think, might be Connor Siebold. I think they want to keep Tanner Houck as their bulk reliever. I That's just been my thought this entire season. I thought that's where he'd be slotted in when everyone's healthy. I think he's just a huge weapon um, coming out of that bullpen. I love him as a starter, but I just think he provides an insane value um, if you have five other formidable starters. Wow. Okay. I was not going to go with that answer. So this is good. We don't have the same answer. My one, Chris Sale, obviously needs no further introduction. My two, Nate Avaldi. This man puts the team on his back when you need him most. He's a competitor. We know what he can do in the playoffs. Nate Avaldi's my two. Erod is my three because every time you need a big outing from Erod in the playoffs, he comes through. That's what he does. He's also pitching for a contract. It is a contract year for him. He's had a bad year. You know what makes teams forget a bad year? A good postseason. So hopefully three weeks from now, he's your number three. Your number four, in my estimation, is Tanner Houck. I think Garrett Whitlock is your bulk guy in the pen. I think he's been stretched out enough to this point. He hasn't pitched in a couple of days, really, since the All-Star break. His innings are down. But it is time for him to take on that bigger role. I think he's going to be used one out of every three days instead of one out of every five as the season comes to a close. So I think he's your bulk reliever. And then I think Nick Pavetta is your number five with Connor Siebold also in the pen. I think that because I think... The Sox are unlikely to give up on Nick Pavetta so fast. But what you've seen from Tanner Houck has forced his his forced his way into the rotation. And I think that this start coming up against Toronto in this doubleheader is going to be the last time that there's a question mark as to whether or not Tanner Houck is a starter. I think he goes out and dominates, and from this week on, he's in the rotation. So for me, that's my five. Terry, your five? Really quick, can I tell you why I don't think Garrett Whitlock's going to be our long guy? Do it. I think he's going to be your eighth inning guy. When um, when it's, all the chips are on the table, I think it's going to be – I think he is going to be bridging the gap to Matt Barnes. Sign that, me that's up. That's my thoughts. Sign me up for high leverage hittings for Garrett Whitlock. You could you could convince me by saying that. I just don't want him pitching in the sixth inning. If if you're gonna have another guy in the bullpen, Terry, what are your five? Well, I just to add on to that. Um, Ottavino has been struggling, but he did look good in his last time out. So uh, hopefully that just continues and and we're able to be flexible with Whitlock, but. I kind of agree more with Joe. I basically have the same one, two, three as you, as both of you. Actually, Sale, Valdi, Rodriguez, uh, 
Pavetta for now, sure. I, I do want to touch on some stuff with him in a second. But I, I agree that Tanner Houck is the guy. He's got a 2.45 ERA, short sample size. He's handled the Yankees so far. He's he's pitched some innings against Toronto and looked okay. He's handled two extremely potent lineups. And the talk coming into this season was that he was definitely going to be in the rotation. And he made one start against uh, Baltimore in the first week, and then he was sent down. And uh, then the elbow issues happened. Same thing with Seabold. But and, he has been your first man up. Like, every time you needed a starter, it's been yeah, him, not Seabold. It has so that's been. That's why I go with Tanner Howe. And he can just handle it, though. He can handle it. And there's so many comparisons about Chris Sale with their arm slot and their slider being nasty, but he's got that aura about him on the mound where he owns it. That is his mound. And I just can't imagine he's not going to get the starts. Now, he's going to have, what, the Saturday start before Sale, so he's not going to have a, a ton of starts to really force the issue. So we'll see. But if he's strong on Saturday, and I think he will be, that's the one start that I said in the previous show that I, I feel really good about. I I don't see him coming out of the rotation. but So then here's my question. Out of the three of us, no one put Garrett Richards, no one put Martin Perez in the starting rotation. Gone. What are the corresponding moves for this new starting rotation? Who goes? Who goes where? What's everybody's role? Well, I mean, Richards has bullpen experience. Um, I, I agree with you, Andrew. Recent I, I as last year. I mean, yeah, and his stuff plays better. Uh, it's not an issue for him getting through the first inning. Like it's been Perez the last like three times out. I, you can cut bait with Perez, and he'll probably clear. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about it. But that that will almost certainly be the the move. Like he'll be DFA'd, Perez. Yeah, I mean he's got it. You can't do anything with Nick Pavetta. He's got no options. Right. I don't think you'd move him to the bullpen. Um, I'd have more faith in him than a guy like Richards or Perez. So I, I yeah, I, I just think I, I, I don't, know. I don't think it's much of a debate. <laughs> it, would you the, would you consider DFAing a guy like a like a Yaxel Rios? Who's been good, not great for for Martin Perez in the pen? I'd re- no, because you know a guy have like that uh, mop up role. Yeah, I do. Brazier's coming back too. He's yeah. been throwing live BP. I don't know. It. I, I. I can only take it one step at a time. They're not going to activate all these guys all at once. Um. I. I think Robles and Rios are both guys that are expendable. I think those pitching acquisitions made at the deadline were kind of just like, you know, the pieces we got were giving away were nothing. So if these work out, they work out. If they don't, whatever, we have other guys in the system. And they could, you know, they're perhaps not as taxed as some of our guys are. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my question really, Andrew and and Terry, this is for you as well is if, if the playoffs started with this series with Toronto, 
and everybody's healthy. Because this, is, I look at this play, I look at this week as a playoff series. Andrew, you mentioned it on our last show. Alex Cora is going to treat this managerially like a playoff series. This next seven games is crucial. I was just talking to Terry about it before we got on the air. We could be in third place in the division by the end of this week. Or we could be four games clear. It's just a matter of how much we win, who we win against, how all the dice is fall. If you were Heim Bloom, assuming that everyone in the pitching rotation is going to be ready, what are you doing next week? Who are your guys? Who's getting DFA'd? Who's in the rotation? Uh, who's in the pen? Well, Perez will get DFA'd for sale. I mean, that's probably the move, I would think. Yeah, I don't think, it, I don't think it's a question. Right. It's not like you didn't go to seven-guy rotation. Like there's not going to so. be, a, there's not gonna <laughs> yeah. be a move before sale, I guess, is what I'm, I'm getting at. Sure. No, I, I agree with that. I, I would be surprised if Martin Perez – is the first one to get the hook? I think the first call has got to go to one of the nothing arms in the bullpen. One of those guys who just eats innings when you're losing. Because Perez can slot into that role. And I think he's more valuable in that role than, say, a, uh, a Yaxel Rios. Right? So I think it's going to be a bullpen guy that goes for the corresponding move. But I... I would slot the bullpen like like this. I want Josh Taylor to be my eighth inning guy. I want Matt Barnes to be my ninth guy. And I want some combination of Garrett Whitlock and I can't believe I'm saying it, but Phillips Valdez to be that sixth, seventh inning or fifth, sixth inning bridge to the bullpen. I want the Red Sox to treat that bullpen down the stretch like the Yankees did when they had Britton, Chapman, and I forget who the third guy is, but I from 2018, 2017. Um, uh, green. Green. Or even before that, uh, they had the hard-throwing righty whose name escapes me as well. Oh, uh, Dylan um, Batanzas. Dallin Batances. Yeah. So I want our bullpen to be treated like that. Like, because our starters can't give you more than five. They, they can't, based on a health status, based on who they are. The only guy who I want to go more than five in the playoffs is Chris Sale. Everyone else, like, just give me five. Give it to Josh Taylor. Give the ball to Garrett Whitlock. Matt Barnes. Like, these guys are good. But I just want five from the starters. And I think... The five guys that you and I named, Terry, can give you five. I, I don't know what Connor Siebold is going to be yet. I think that's more of a lottery ticket option for me, Andrew, yet at this point. Well, he projects out as a number three, worst case, maybe a number four, right, Siebold? Yeah, he's like a safe, safe to call him a four. Okay. Okay, so it's a, a safe four and... I think he's working his way into the rotation for Garrett Richards' this next turn. Like, that's that's my corresponding move. Yeah. Um, is move maybe move Richards to the pen, DFA, Axel Rios, and then you bring up Connor Siebel. Well, we're running a six-man rotation right now with Hauk up, so I, I think Richards just kind of has to go away, really, and then you're back down to five. So I think an additional move has to happen 
for Siebel to be called up. Whether that's a you know a Rios like you you were talking about, who's actually had some decent appearances. He, he's been decent. I mean, I just don't think they'll give up on the guys they just traded for. And on top of that, I just don't see another spot where you DFA a guy because everybody has major league experience. Everybody that you would DFA, and in that case, generally, you take. The, the bullpen guy gets DFA'd and the starter gets moved to the bullpen, if that's a corresponding possibility. It is. Here's another angle I want to throw out there. If Pavetta gets lit up his next few starts, and it could certainly happen, Toronto's got the lineup to do it, and then I don't think, let's see, he probably won't pitch against Tampa. I don't think so. But let, let's just say... For instance, he does get lit up the next three starts. Is he a DFA candidate if if Seabold is is pitching well? No, he's way too cost control to to do that. Yeah, what? he's he's making pennies. In the upside of him is too high. Yeah. Now, Terry, here's my I answer it, there. But... I, I think he's scheduled to start the doubleheader against Toronto, I think he will get thrashed in that start. They've seen him now. This will be the fifth time they've seen him. That's like the most I can ever remember a team facing one starter in a regular season. Yeah, he's they've They're hit gonna him. Have his They're going to hit him hard. They've well, already hit him. Right. Just when he to comes like, back out, his next start is Baltimore. Wait. If he gets thrashed by Baltimore, he might be tipping pitches or something. There's something going on there that concerns me. And I wouldn't be surprised if at that point he finds his way to the the injured list for a, a little 10-day stint. Um, you know, maybe that's just how they load manage. Um, some reasoning will be given why why he's not pitching, but I, you're not going to DFA him. He's too good when he's on, and he's too cheap to the point where when he's not on, he's a lottery ticket at worst. Right now we've got five lottery tickets on the team. We got two lottery tickets. They're splitting time at first base. It's like, which number are we going to read off? And then in the bullpen, you got a couple. We just traded for two of them. So I just think that he's the higher upside. He's like the uh, he's the millionaire's pool versus the state lotto. It's just they're different, different levels of possibility. I just don't see it happening. I'm also looking ahead to next year where you're going to have Sale, Avoldi, Tanner Houck, Seabold, yeah, so I guess Pavetta wouldn't be as expendable because you're probably not going to have Rodriguez, but Whitlock would be in there as well. So let's do that again. Sale, Evoldi, Hauk, Whitlock, and then you, you could still put Pavetta number five over Seabold. And that's also assuming we're not going to make any free agent signings as well. So... When was the last time a team went into a season with five starting pitchers? Well, I even think without Pavetta, you're still going to have six viable starting pitchers at least. But So if you take Pavetta out of that equation, yeah. you're looking at Chris Sale, Nate Devaldi, Connor Siebold, Tanner Houck, and Garrett Whitlock. That's one through Those five. Through and then you could sign a Scherzer – uh, for instance, you you could sign a Grinky. I'm not saying we, we will. I don't think we will, but I don't think we will. The options are there. If they do go out and get a Scherzer type, 
you know, a, 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 at this point, a 1A still in his career. Going on 38, but a 1A. I'm okay with, uh, you know, either Whitlock staying in the bullpen or Pavetta getting DFA'd either way. I mean, or you can trade Pavetta. He's a he's a trade piece viable candidate. I'm okay with it if you're going to go get Max Scherzer. If you're going to tell me that you're going to try to slot in Zach Greinke <laughs> at 37 years old, no thanks. I'd still do get it. On the number three, I'd rather have Nick Pavetta. Well, I, I don't want to get too far down the road, <laughs> even though the 2022 schedule did come out yesterday. Um, I, I'm i on record with saying I wouldn't be shocked if Whitlock started the season in the minors next year if they do plan on him being a starter. Because that... I think that's a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're not going to have him throw over the winter. Um, I think it's until late in the winter. They're... It would have been over two years, two full years, since he's been a full-time starter. That's going to take time to build up. And he's going to break down. He's going to have a setback. He's going to have a dead arm from trying to build that up. And he's going to have to work work through some things with that. So I don't anticipate him, Garrett Whitlock, being a starter in the opening day rotation. If you look at the teams that are successful across baseball. Every team has six viable starting pitching options. If you look at the teams that are in division races, they all have six viable starting pitching options. Think specifically of the New York Mets. The worst case scenario for the Mets is happening right now. Where they're number one, the number one in all of baseball, is out for an extended period of time. Their number two has been out since June in Carrasco, who made his return this week. And you're penciling in guys from the double-A lineup to be your starting pitchers for three, four starts at a time. Don't I don't want that. I would rather this team... Put Garrett Whitlock in the minors for 8, 10, 12 weeks than to go in with five starting pitching options that are the best five starting pitching options and no depth. Because the last time the Red Sox had every starter that they signed to be their one through five, make all 30 starts, 2004. Teams just don't do that anymore. Guys throw too hard, they get hurt, they pitch too often. I don't see it. You could be right. I mean, I, I haven't followed post-Tommy John guys that, that closely. I I would be surprised if spring training and maybe a program that starts a couple months before that couldn't get him to where he needs to be. But I, I would see at that point, I think Andrew's timeline that he's talking about, and Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong. Whitlock would be ready to start mid-May at the earliest. Yeah, that would be my guess. I mean, in a regular year, you don't usually need all five guys like the first two weeks anyways. So you let him stretch out, let him work out whatever he's got going on, and you just push your other guys a little harder. And I, I don't think that – the Red Sox pitchers as constituted this year 
rotation and bullpen are going to be anything like what we see next year. I mean, we're now at a point where hopefully we'll, we'll be two years without competitive balance taxes. We're going to have three cheap starting pitching options that are viable and quality in Whitlock, Seabold, Hauk, um, and then also Pavetta. So of those four, three of those are going to be viable options at any given point. You paid Chris Sale already, his bullet of money. You're going to have money to work with, and I, I don't think you necessarily have to put it into the rotation at this point. I think that's a quality top six. You can, you can go pay Xander Bogarts. And you have a guy like Dustin Pedroia coming off. Um, Possibly I J.D. Have, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I hope he's back. But you have, I mean, Pedroia coming off. You have, um, who's the kid that can't hit? Ben and coming off. Uh, you still have, yeah, you still have Price. Um, For one I more year. Yeah. The last year of that. Yeah, you, you have, I mean, you're freeing up about 15 Extreme and a half flexibility, right? Extreme yep. flexibility. You can go sign your Raphael Devers extension that Terry's been talking about, dreaming about for the last <laughs> two years already. I, I just think that this rotation going forward into 2022 is in a great spot. Down the stretch, we're only in a great spot if Heim Bloom shows some balls. He needs to stop treating Garrett Richards as his first free agent signing in Boston. The guy need the guy with the great spin rate that we all love. No. Garrett Richards acts like his spot in the rotation belongs to him. Hell no. We're way past that. Well, there's in his defense, there's been no one to replace him to this point, but that's changing. That's changing, and I, I want to see that change. Now that we have that option to replace him, I want him gone. And I understand that fans listening to this show are going to say, you've wanted him gone since the first week of spring training. That's true. I, I didn't think he could pitch. But now the numbers bear out that he cannot pitch as a starting pitcher once guys get a read on his number one option. He's he's great when you're swinging and missing at his fastball. The second they it, climb up his fastball, it's, it's over. You know, it's absolutely insane, like, what has turned into the targets that people have wanted um, in the offseason. Bauer, I mean, enough said about him. Kluber, is, he might have died. I don't even know. Jake Odorizzi was another name that they're five one ERA, and he's let up like six home runs or something insane in his last like twelve or thirteen innings pitched. Yeah, I, uh, who else? I don't know if there were anyone else, but um, Quintara. He's not even oh, in the big league. Quintana, anymore. yeah, it, Jesus, yeah, that's another one that was terrible. Like they wouldn't, they really wouldn't have been better served with any of these guys. Well, Taiwan if, Walker is a guy I liked has a three eighty six uh, ERA right now with the Mets. I don't think he was going to come to Boston. I, I just though. think that's that, <laughs> well, nobody we signed him until late. I think he was willing to sign just about anywhere. Like he was on Twitter possibly, telling possibly, people, "Yeah, I'm still Terry, available." When we did our show, the three of us. And Charlie and Jason, 
all five of us were on the show, and we talked about who the starting pitchers were that we wanted and didn't want. I think he made one person's list. It was yours. You think Taiwan? You mean Taiwan? Yeah, won. yeah. Well, I want to watch. I just never thought that. I don't I think, think he would have signed with Boston. The rest of us didn't think it was a possibility for other reasons. I didn't think he would come here. Well, he was I, he I was on Twitter telling people, "Yo, I'm still available." You know, it was an extremely it late been, signing. It would have been great, and looking back on it, he would have been the best option. But of all the possibilities, the chances we got the right one is like one in eight. And until they banned, you know, Spider Tech, Richards was actually pretty solid. I, I mean, all things considered, it's been so long that we don't even recall it. But he was, he wasn't actually half bad. He was. He was throwing to a three seven there for a while, and I was using yeah. my words. I had one episode where I was like, "Oh, well, Andrew was right, and I'm sorry." And no, it turns out Andrew was wrong, and I was right, and this guy can't pitch. But my my thought process and. I don't know if either of you agree with this, is that his fastball is great. But if, if you time up his fastball and he just gets frustrated, the wheels fall off. He's a mental case. I can't even think of a pitcher that was like that for the Red Sox in the past 10 years, with the exception of Clay Buckles. It's like the wheels come off, the wheels really, really come off. And I just don't have, we don't have room for that when we have other options. And right now, those other options are ready. What was what were Connor Siebold's stats this week that you were talking about, Andrew? They were great. I mean, yeah, he was, and he was stretched he out a little bit. Like the thirty percentile, right? So, I'm ready for this kid, and I know Charlie's ready to give up on the season. Terry, I don't know where you are as far as giving up on the season. I hope you're not. At- he wants to get it before they get the one win that would uh, kill his under on the season. <laughs> What's That's that? probably what it is. Are you ready to give up on the Red Sox? I mean, oh, Charlie's ready. He's I'm like, still no. I'm still hoping we're gonna we're gonna at least contend for the division. Well, these next seven games are are definitely key, and then we've got probably the easiest schedule uh, after the Tampa series that we've had all season. So I'm just hoping we can make the most of that. One thing about Odorizzi though, he did get lit up for for six runs. Uh, I think yesterday, but. Coming into that start since since the first of June, three seven three ERA. He's going to be winning baseball games for the Astros this October, and I I would have signed him. It wouldn't have no, worked out good the first he couple was on of months. Top of everybody's list. Yeah, Garrett Richards wasn't. On he got paid though. That's your, I don't no, know. I, I don't. Yeah, he got what sixteen million a year. I still would have done it. For a few years, and that, right? and that was before we three? for three years. Yeah. Something like that, but you know, and that was before we took on the nine million from Ottavino. So I would have done it. I still would have done it. We still would have needed a, you know, we still would have needed a setup guy. I, I feel like all the moves looking back were the right moves until now. This next week tells me more about Heim Bloom and Alex Cora. Well, well, maybe not Alex I, Cora. I think it's all on Cora now. Bloom's not adding anybody. Uh, well, you... I mean, if that was the time frame, that was actually genius if these guys patchworked it together until all the reinforcements came. I mean, that's actually oh, pretty impressive. Like, this yeah. week is going to tell me more about Heim Bloom and Alex Cora as a tandem, as a team, 
than any week, including trade deadline week, including free agency, that we have ever had. Because if they're on the same page and Bloom makes some moves here to get Seabold in the rotation to get Cora the right pieces, and Cora can execute it to where the rotation gets us through these next seven games with a, a four and three record or a, a five and two record, you know, possibly would be fantastic. Then I look at this season as a success for those two guys. Cause at that point you've done everything you possibly can. You've played every single chess move in the book. But if Seabold this time next week is in triple a and we go three and four. I'm on the Fireheim Bloom train. I'm like ready to start. I'm ready to start like pitchforks and torches, and it's over for Heim Bloom as far as I'm concerned. As a, I mean, as a he literally team, just rebuilt the entire farm system. I don't and... care. I don't care. He's overachieved with the team to this point. Yeah, so he's earned. He's earned leeway. But if he leaves bullets in the chamber and this team fades down the stretch, I'm well, Cora tells him the guys he wants as well. And it's I, not just. I, know, I, I understand that. That's why I said them as a team. They would all right. Firing a GM would be the dumbest decision you would ever do if you didn't let a guy work his full six years on a contract. Because. Well, let me say this. He's not getting fired. There's no scenario in which he gets fired. I, I don't think I, he is either. Let he me, bidding. Let me like, say this, though. Yes, man. I, I'm not convinced he's a big league GM, though. Yeah, he'll build no, no, he'll build the Fort Knox of farm systems. So he's doing that right now. And, and I, I mean, look at what that. Tampa's doing. Everyone was so afraid that he'd make us Tampa North. Everyone wants to be Tampa. Look what he did with all the trades. I, their entire team is a wagon because of the moves he made. <laughs> I, I don't disagree, Andrew. What I what I look at is my leash as a fan for a general manager is three years to do something. Like, just get us to the playoffs. I wish you were alive during the Dan Duquette days. <laughs> I really do. Pre-2004, suck dick. Let me tell you that. It wasn't great. That. We be doing cartwheels. But we live in an era in Boston of an entitlement era and winning. And it's not. You all saw that those stupid ass banners that they hang in Logan Airport. We're essentially Pittsburgh living in a past where oh we're Sixburg. It's like no, all right. (laughs) Let's let's pump the brakes. Ben Sherrington won us a title. Did he? And he was fired at the right time. Yeah, hang on. So Bloom's going to take the longest route to a championship that anyone in the World Series era has had, I, and that's if I he agree. wins the championship. I, I don't, I don't hate Heim Bloom being with his team. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I as a fan, I'm going to be over the Heim Bloom is good talk. Heim Bloom's an okay to average GM if we don't make the playoffs this season now. He literally—he just built us a top ten farm system with giving up nothing. Andrew, you're the farm guy, and I don't want to—I don't want to argue <laughs> about who's good and who's not on the farm. But 
Terry and I look at the farm system the same way. The farm system is there to win titles in Boston. I don't care if Worcester... If Worcester all right, wins. then fine. Trade them all, and you can have your players, and then you're in the same position that you were last year because Dave Dombrowski salted the earth after burning the city. I'm not... I'm not <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, more, not, I'm can... more in the middle of you two. I'm more kind of in the... You guys are on your spectrums, and I'm kind of in the middle. No, we, we, we could easily go in and trade Tristan Cassis in the offseason and get a I wouldn't great do that. player. I, I know, I wouldn't either. You could trade Jeter Downs. You could do. You could I would move do that. Marcelo Meyer. I would trade. I would trade Jeter Downs. And yeah, I have no problem trading Downs since the guys Bloom brought in are seem to be studs. In Nick York, taking over as the next great second baseman. But here's the thing, though: Tampa's having a good year because we don't have our team isn't what it normally is. We're not robust. New York's sputtering. They've got all kinds of issues. Toronto didn't have the greatest roster start of the season. That, that's why Tampa's winning the division right now. I'm not sold that he Bloom's going to balance everything out the right way and that, and that the right guys are necessarily going to be brought in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, not sold looking, on that. I want to be I'm wrong on that. Ahead, Terry. I'm talking about this season – if the right moves aren't made for the next two to three weeks to bring you to the playoffs, then all of a sudden this overachieving narrative, these Red Sox who don't give up the fight in this team, doesn't matter. I want entertaining baseball all the way through to the end of September. Not and playing the, in the ALDS is a massive fail. I'll say that. And, and the pieces They're to get all- there, Andrew, the pieces to get us to the ALDS are now in place. Thank, thank Heim Bloom for that. Understood. But if you don't play it right from here to the end of, of September, is that not a failure? To me, I mean, that's he a got failure. the pieces to do it. He got, what, the second best bat that moved on the market in the All-Star break while giving up the least? No, I, I, think, he, I think he has the right pieces. I just yeah. want to see it all put together, mostly in the rotation. I don't so, want to see Garrett Richards and Martin Perez out there again. No and one does. And I, again, then I'm going to be pissed. And Well, if guys like Seabold and Sale are clearly ready and they're not bringing them up, then that's a different thing. But it's not like it's a service time issue with that. Both no, those guys will be up if the scouts say they're ready, if the development coaches say they're ready. I mean, it's not just a straight line that goes with all that. And no, I don't I think they're going to pitter-patter around it either. I they're gonna go for it. They this they know they have a an opportunity to win. I I thought they were gonna go for it too. I hope they are. I think they will. I'm just I, I want it clearly out there that if we get to the end of September and Connor Siebold is sitting in AAA the way that Charlie wants him to, and we don't make the playoffs, then I'm I'm all out on Heim Bloom. You can have the greatest farm system in the world. Go build it in Japan. I just hope he's not. We know what championship teams look like. So I just, I don't want to do it the hard way. I want the right guys to be traded at the right time. The right guys to be hung on to like Tristan Casas, for example. And I don't want any stupid signings. I don't want a Mookie Betts contract ever on my payroll. I don't want that. Devers might cost. 
Would you trade for Mike Trout right now? If they ate some money, if they if they ate some money, would you would you take the Mike contract, the Mike Trout no. contract? No, no, not as it is. I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't do it in a heartbeat. He oh, missed time. The only this reason year. I would is they would make all that money back in a week. But the the thing you got to look at, like they have, he has signed the right guys outside of a guy like Richards. I mean. We, there was a big debate. It was like, why did he sign Hunter Renfro instead of David Dahl? David Dahl was just DFA'd the other day. And it's just moves like that with limited budget that he's made. And now, you know, if they stay under the CBA this this season, they can keep going over. And if they go over, they can still give – they can let Devers play out his entire arbitration because oh, you're 2020 – Well, I hear, hear me out. Because they're, if they uh, stack the contracts correctly, the entire 2024 team with your top prospects in this system that you pulled in the last two years, they're coming up in 2024. And you're paying nothing for six years off those guys. If they all work out. but And they're looking even, pretty good. Even if half of them work out, you're still paying nothing. Uh, understandable. but And Cat, I mean... Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you look at your infield, I think we can say with 80% confidence that um, Meyer should work out. I mean, that would be horrible. I mean, unless, yeah. Cassis, there's another one. Um, I'm not counting on Nick York yet. He's still super young, but he's looking pretty damn good. There's Endeavors. And even if Devers, at that point, you have to pay $35 million, your infield costs a total of $37 million. Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of room to maneuver there. I think Devers is going to end up in the 300 range now. I mean, it wouldn't have yeah. been that way last winter, but. Um, that... I don't think he had incentive to sign, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, I think he would have. I look but... at it and 2021 Red Sox right now are my focus. And I, I understand not breaking the bank. I understand not going out and giving up all your prospects for Berrios. That would have been a horrendous overpay. I wouldn't have done that either. But I think Bloom has so far made the right moves. So far, Bloom for me on this season has made the right moves at every position except first base. Then he's got, he's got a, B, a B average for me, B plus average on the season for me especially with the draft that he just pulled together, even without Fabian. But I have zero patience for AAA and AA wins. I I want it to translate to success for the 22-23 Red Sox and the 2021 Red Sox. We need to at least play in the ALDS, and I think the pieces are there. I just want them to be played correctly. And the real reason I say I'm out on Heim Bloom, Andrew, is because I can't be out on John Henry and Larry Lucchino and co. If I could say I want owners who are going to spend their money and not worry about the luxury tax so we can go get Schwarber and Rizzo, hell yes, that's what I want. If Schwarber is your fourth outfielder and Anthony Rizzo's at first base right now, and you gave up like your number seven and number ten prospects. It's a little bit of an overpay, 
But then you're talking about ALCS, maybe even making it to the World Series. If everyone's well, healthy and the kids are good. Blame the leak for that. I, I hate the cap. I think it's really – God, I almost swore. Really stupid. I think a salary floor at $120 million would be a lot better for the league. They'd be a lot better for the fans. And I can get really into a rant on this. I agree with that, too. I be agree better with for that. the players. Yeah. I, it's absurd. I, I mean, I can go to the Rockies game. I could have went today for $6. Like, are you kidding me? Because no one gives a shit. Like, you go to these small markets. Hey, you just had to leave. You know, you couldn't go to a game for a year and a half because of COVID. Welcome back. By the way, uh, we just traded the best five players. Come back in 2025 when we're, you know, might be good. I, yeah, get rid of the cap. And honestly, the red, if I, I, if this CBA does away with something like that, it's going to be a game changer because the Red Sox can fight, like, they can flex their muscles again, which I think they would. I don't even know if the Yankees would anymore, and then you have the two California teams that matter that would. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot more fun when you don't have to worry about the bottom line and getting taxed and giving that to the uh, poverty franchises that just take in other teams' fans through the turnstiles and charge twenty bucks for a beer, and you give them extra draft picks, all that revenue sharing. Uh, it's a joke. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, just to leave it to leave it there for me. I just I, I want this team to be competitive, which is they've already given me that to this point. This is what we asked for, right, Terry? I mean, you and I, neither of us thought they were going to win ninety games. I didn't think they. I thought they were going to win seventy eight, but but I was hoping for a competitive July and August. Here we are in mid August, and now I'm hoping for more. Is that unrealistic of me? Yes. Am I an asshole for that? Probably. Here's the thing. We haven't seen uh, uh, one week ago today. We sat on this podcast after we had to re-record an episode because the Schwarber news. And in that second episode, we said a big move was probably going to happen. That's what we expected. All three of us agreed that there was one more move to come and it didn't happen. We have not seen Hein Bloom have a signature moment yet. We haven't seen that blue magic that we were hoping we would see. So we're going to have to wait till this winter to do it. And I just hope we did enough. I hope we we get through the Toronto series, the Tampa series at roughly 500. And it's a lot to ask for the stars to align, for Schwarber to work out at first for for sale to be the ace he's always been for Hauk or Siebold to to pitch like a middle of the rotation guy all these other teams made great moves in fact they made better moves than the Red Sox did we got outworked last week and so that that's disappointing but I've been wrong about a number of things, and and I, I hope they prove me wrong uh, coming down the stretch here. Uh, it's good for the podcast, you know. When the when the team does better, the podcast does better, and that that's what I'm rooting for. That's what I want to see happen. But but it's been lackluster so far. So we'll see. We're gonna wrap on that because we went way over <laughs> on just. I didn't think we were gonna be bickering about high bloom. Job kind of ambushed us with that, but <laughs> sorry, but it was good. It was good. It was an entertaining segment. So, 
Uh, so again, we will be back uh, Sunday night to record the Toronto episode that will be up by your Monday morning commute. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care.